Welcome to Ortho Science Bites. Ortho is proud to sponsor this podcast as a continuing commitment to advance patient care, from donations to patient transfusions. I am Tony Cassina, and today I am joined by Patty Ryan as Ortho Clinical Diagnostics Chief Information Security Officer. Patty is responsible for defining the firm's global information security strategy, roadmap, and operating infrastructure. Partnering globally with IT, compliance, commercial, regulatory, legal, quality, R&D, and strategic marketing resources. She ensures that all information security controls operate effectively and efficiently, that staff are aware of their responsibility to protect client and proprietary information, and that the security team defines and manages information risk appropriately. Patty has over 30 years of IT experience, over half of that in information security executive positions. She has worked in financial services, life sciences, such as Johnson & Johnson, and legal, and brings a wide range of experience to ortho. She holds a BA in economics from Columbia College, Columbia University, and an executive MBA from the Stern School of Business at New York University. Thank you so much for joining us today, Patty. Okay, let's get started with the first question. Welcome, Patty. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this opportunity to talk shop. Okay, the first question really is uh, about cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is a complex topic. Maybe we should start with a definition of what cybersecurity is for our listeners. Yeah, that probably makes sense. Um, you know, cybersecurity is all about protecting IT assets. There's something um, called uh, the CIA triad. So you look at the confidentiality, you look at the integrity, and you look at the availability. Now, these days, confidentiality is to make sure that only people who have access to either a firewall or a data set or a report have that access. So it's, it's need to know and it's least privilege. So they are doing their job with the least amount of system resources at their disposal. You have availability, which is to make sure the information or the asset is available. You don't want to log into a web server and have something not work or think of what happened with the Taylor Swift tickets. The the tickets were not available. And then it's integrity. You want to make sure that the information is kept at the state it was. So for example, you don't want someone buying tickets illegally or changing a data record or taking a laptop. So really cybersecurity is about looking at IT assets, be them traditional physical laptop servers, or right now, more importantly, data, information, and making sure that it's protected. Okay. Thank you, Patty. What has been the impact of breaches on the healthcare industry from a large-scale economic, personal info, exposure, medical treatment perspective? The impact has been tremendous, especially with covid Obviously, over the last two years, 30 months, the healthcare industry has fought a tremendous battle with this pandemic. As we know, the amount of healthcare workers who were frontline heroes put in day in, day out to try to protect and save individuals 
Unfortunately, many cyber criminals, hackers, looked at it as an opportunistic way to make some money or to hold medical care hostage. So it's been breaches, threats of breaches, attacks have had a tremendous issue. You know, IBM Security recently had a survey that said breaches were up 9.4 percent from 2020 to 2021. But what's more incredible is 41.6 percent since 2019. So the attacks have been coming very, very significantly across the healthcare industry. Okay, thank you. Do you have some specific examples of types of breaches that have occurred? Types of breaches, there's many that happen, but we kind of have been coalescing around two or three specific types. One is called ransomware attacks. I think people have seen that across the news. What that's about is basically hackers encrypting data and holding it hostage for a ransom. That is really complicated on most organizations because it's not just one piece of data. Something like this could traverse an entire network going from your finance systems to your email systems to your medical data, to your HIPAA data, in some cases affecting point of care systems. So there's a wide network here about interconnected abilities with, uh, with healthcare. Second thing would be someone stealing credentials, so phishing, you know, either sending an email that says, hey, you won the lottery, or hey, your password needs to be changed, or yeah, hey, I'm your boss and you need to, to fill out this form for me that gives me your confidential information. Those types of phishing attacks are quite prevalent these days because it's a way to social engineer someone remotely. And if you think of the amount of information that's on the internet about an individual or a company, it's quite easy for someone to get a recent replica or enough data to fool another individual. Finally, we, we don't have as many of it, but in some cases it's you know, something being stolen, your mobile phone, your laptop, uh, with data, sensitive data on it or access to sensitive data. While they're not as common these days, it's still a method in which cyber criminals do take advantage of where data is. Okay, thank you. So what is um, the impact of these breaches for the laboratory or the hospital when it comes to, for example, blood donors or patient data from your perspective? The impact is really because the data is interconnected. 26,000 on average um, Internet of Things assets, be it a point of care, be it a firewall, be it an email server, or across the hospital space. Every single one of those tends to have a connection to another device. What happens if, let's say, an email system is under attack from ransomware? Because you don't want that particular attack spreading into critical care infrastructure, the hospital may shut down the entire network. What does that mean? That means maybe critical surgeries aren't going to happen. Maybe that means someone can't pay their hospital bill. Maybe that means that there is an impact to a point of care device, be it a heart machine, a lung machine. You know, the fact that everything is right now Internet of Things buzzword is quite incredible because you have now hospital systems that are struggling to protect 
their patients' lives are also now looking at the fact that the attack surface or how hackers will attack them is tremendously large and in a lot of cases diverse. It takes a lot of effort and time to have uh, systems in the hospitals secured and people don't realize that just because it's, let's say, something that's in a corporate structure could directly affect the patient care. There's been mortality rates right now are increasing. I read somewhere over the last month or so that hospitals that are under ransomware attacks have a 57% higher mortality rate just because of the fact that everything is so interconnected and people don't in the hospital systems don't really realize how that happens. Okay, thank you. So with these increasing occurrences and future threats, how have regulatory agencies become involved in cybersecurity? Oh, there's been a tremendous effort by regulatory agents such as the FDA. Um, They have brought in experts in cyber starting in about 2018 just to look at how to integrate security formally into pre-market and post-market mandates. So they have taken into account this whole idea of interconnected devices, point of care devices, and that large attack service that I talked about. It's something that I found to be quite incredible how quickly they have decided to make a medical device cybersecurity requirements to be just the same as it would be, let's say, a critical firewall or an asset. There before, earlier on, the FDA and other regulatory devices really weren't thinking of cybersecurity in a medical device. It was a black box. No one would think of hacking a blood analyzer or heart machine. Well, that is obviously something that's changed over time. COVID was the perfect example of a lot of that. So what we're seeing is the stringent rules up front that you have to show the FDA in order to be able to get approval to market a device is becoming standard with every other asset you've got in a traditional sense. You have to patch them. You have to understand the threats and protect against them. You have to be able to detect and protect the devices. You have to be in our customers are seeing that and asking for the same things. It's becoming a tremendous focus of the FDA, and that is how had other regulatory agencies around the world look at the same level. So it's as if it's every, there's nothing special. Right now you have to treat cybersecurity from the beginning as part of your design with every single medical asset. Very good. Thank you. Um, that uh, certainly covers the Next question I was going to ask about uh, was medical devices and the responsibility of the manufacturer. Obviously, there's quite a emphasis from the regulatory agencies these days on this whole cybersecurity aspect of bringing a device to market. Antivirus programs are offered often with these products. So are they effective in securing uh, against cybersecurity attacks? Well, yeah, they're, they're better than nothing. I do think there is um, most antivirus programs are what we call passive. So you have to understand how a threat or an attack is going to work. And then you can adjust that particular antivirus technology to detect or block. But that's, a, that's time for which you're vulnerable. 
I think it's better than having nothing. But what I consider to be far more important is the ability for to take advantage of machine learning or artificial intelligence. So you're using the next generation antivirus products, looking at ways to have a pattern developed organically that the device software understands what's normal activity and what's not normal activity. So let's say it's a device all of a sudden is trying to connect to something external to the network, an IP address or an internet address that they have never done that before. And let's say it's in a country that this particular hospital has no reason to connect to. Well, then you want something to be able to say, wait a minute, that's not part of my pattern and stop it or at least alert. So what I'm seeing is that, well, antivirus is a good older fashioned way to make sure that you've got things protected. The next generation devices or technologies such as those with artificial intelligence and machine learning are the ones that are going to help real time protect medical devices and assets. And it's something I think is essential because of how significant and complicated and quickly changing the attacks landscapes are. Since antivirus programs alone are not as effective, what solutions beyond the artificial intelligence and machine learning can be offered that are more effective in preventing these attacks? Yes, it's preventing, but it's also making it incredibly complicated, the attack, to be successful. And also being able to learn as soon as possible that something malicious or suspicious could be happening. So you're really looking at defense in depth. You're not looking at one component, let's say a medical device, and not thinking about the rest of that network. You want to isolate critical systems. You want to put firewalls in place. You want to put network traffic monitors. You want to limit by privilege who has access to different network segments or assets. You want to be vigilant on that access because if someone changes jobs or leaves, you want to make sure that they that access is suspended or changed appropriately. It's really about defense and depth. That's a concept from information security from years ago. You know, think of a medieval castle. You had you had the moat, you had the bridge, you had the outer circle, you had the inner circle. Well, it's the same typical type of thing. You want to look at every single area of a network or where your data is and see how can you effectively isolate it, not to prevent it from being used effectively. It's really about just trying to make sure that only the people who can have access have access. And if anyone is trying to do something malicious or suspicious, have to go through multiple different channels. In some cases, that just makes the hacker or the cyber criminal just give up and go to an easier target. You also then have all these different points to understand when something suspicious or malicious is happening so you can react quickly. Thank you. That whole defensive approach is an interesting concept. Well, to close out this uh, interesting conversation, can you convey how cybersecurity has changed over the last few years? Well, it's, it's cybersecurity necessarily hasn't changed. It's, in my opinion, the vast amount of IT assets or technology being leveraged every day, every individual in every situation. 
it's made it more examples of what could be broken into, what could be hacked, what could be stolen. It's also the fact that different technologies haven't necessarily worked together all the time. So you have to merge divergent technologies like an Android phone and a Linux server and a special type of firewall and a point of care device. And how do you make sure you understand the nuances and subtleties of every single one of those, how they can be exploited? It's, it's that order of magnitude that I think it's been more of an issue because that's just the threats are everywhere now. It's the same basic principles to protect the environment, just a lot more of them to do. Okay, thank you. Um, sounds like a, a complex and uh, expensive uh, approach to this cybersecurity uh, issue and uh, one that will certainly continue on to the future. Patty, I really want to thank you for taking the time with us today and giving us your experiences and insights on this fascinating topic. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk with you, Patty. And again, thank you so much for your time today on this podcast. I hope uh, you all enjoyed this podcast episode about cybersecurity and its potential impact on the healthcare industry. Make sure to review the sections within the podcast description for any reading materials that we've suggested. Based on today's podcast, I'll leave you with our pop quiz. What are specific examples of types of cybersecurity breaches? You can always go back and listen again. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Ortho Science Bites, our monthly podcast, where there will be discussions on more complex questions we face every day in our labs, brought to you by Ortho Clinical Diagnostics, pioneering advances in diagnostics for 80 years because every test is a life. Take care, stay healthy and safe.